Hi, I'm Lynette White. Hi, I'm Dr. Renee Bryant. And we are your hosts for the Ed Branding Podcast. Which is all about amplifying connections, voices, stories, and leadership and education. And if you haven't already, follow the Ed Branding Podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you know when our episodes drop. And also, it's really good for our analytics. So do that too for us, okay? And then go over to YouTube and hit like and subscribe to the Ed Branding Channel. And on this episode of the Ed Branding Podcast, we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Nancy Watkins. Dr. Watkins is an educator, leadership consultant, coach, and facilitator. She serves as a director of the educational doctorate program and an associate professor at Cal State University Fullerton. She is also a candidate running for the Orange County Board of Education Area 3, in which the election day is March 5th. We are so excited to have this conversation with her this morning. Hello, Dr. Nancy Watkins. Uh, We are so happy to have you here with us on this fine Sunday morning. I have the privilege of working with you and learning from you uh, for three years now as one of your adjunct professors teaching in the evening for the summer organizational theory and challenges and for instructional leadership course and the doctoral program at Cal State University Fullerton. Uh, You have been a wonderful mentor and sponsor for me as a new adjunct professor, and I thank you publicly for supporting me in that journey. And for all of those who do not have the pleasure of knowing you uh, in our Ed Branding Podcast audience, uh, please tell a little bit of your story. Well, thank you, Renee, Lynette. It's great to be here with you both today. And, you know, Renee, I appreciate the the kind words. It's my pleasure to get to work and meet such amazing people who are doing good work in education. So uh, my name is Nancy Watkins, and I'm an educator to my core. So I have been a teacher for a very long time, uh, started to teach in the Bay Area where I was able to teach uh, social studies in the morning and dance in the afternoon came down to Southern California to continue teaching social studies, retired after 30 years in the classroom as a site administrator, district administrator from the Placentia Yorba Linda School District, where I spent the bulk of my my career. Along the way, I continued to learn and have always had a deep passion for educational policy. It was the topic, my dissertation topic, my research focused on teachers as education reformers and their role in education reform. Uh, And after I retired from Placentia or Belinda, I I like to say I failed at retirement, and I was fortunate enough to get hired at Cal State Fullerton, where I'm currently an associate professor of educational leadership and policy, and I am also the director for the educational doctorate program. So that's my professional stuff. Um, I'm also a mom to three amazing young men. I'm married to my love of my life and partner, um, Daryl Watkins, who's a Navy veteran and a dedicated leadership coach and professor as well for Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And go figure, I've decided um, to throw my hat into the ring of politics. And so I'm currently a candidate for the Orange County Board of Education Area 3. Love it. I learned a little bit more about you and I'm excited that everyone else gets to learn more about you as well. So hi, Dr. Watkins. Um, It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. As I mentioned in our pre-interview, one of my best friends, uh, the future Dr. Laura Castro speaks so highly of the program there. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, but we're going to start off with the question that we ask everyone at the beginning of the podcast 
Um, Renee's brand is connection. My brand is tell your story in one word or short phrase. What would you say your brand is and why? So I appreciate having to think about this and it had been formally told that it's my superpower. So I've decided to adopt it as my brand. My brand is show up. And I think that relates both physically, like we all know that there are times where we don't want to necessarily go somewhere where we're comfy in our slippers and our robe and Netflix, but there's an event and we we have to get dressed and get together and show up. Uh, and usually that's worth it, right? And then there's the emotional show up. Like we have to be present in what we're doing. We have to be there for people, for our friends, um, you know, for our family, for our community. And I started thinking about all the other ways. There's show up for yourself personally to take care of yourself, that self-care that's so critical uh, to, you know, be nutritious and, and self-love and show up professionally. And I think it even relates to what I'm, I'm trying to do politically, which is show up for your community. So show up is my brand. I love that brand. Love it. Um, and I feel like I've heard Renee say it as well. Just show up. That's such great advice. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. You are the first person to claim that brand. And I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. There was a, I think the Fountain Valley retired soup. He would, he, in some school news article, he said, look, I just, just show up people. That was like, that's so true. When we rolled out the Vietnamese program, it was all about just showing up in the community and building relationships. So uh, as Lynette said, that is great advice for everyone. All right. So I calibrate your brand because you do show up in all those ways. All right. So in doing the research for uh, this conversation, I learned that you have a master's degree in public policy. Um, I love that you have such a strong background in education, leadership and public policy. So with that, you talked a little bit about it. Why run for Orange County school boards and why run right now? So the, the number one reason that I say and that I believe to my core is that education is under attack on many different fronts and education needs allies. And I like to use the broad term education because it encompasses so much more than just what we think of with schools. It truly is about students and families and teachers and administrators and even the policymakers that are there to support our public education system. So, you know, you mentioned that my, my master's degree is in public policy, not educational policy. My doctorate is in educational policy, but there was a time, you know, as a young teacher, when you're first starting out and you're like, eh, am I going to keep doing this like seriously for the next 30 years? So when I attended my master's program at Claremont Graduate University, I went into public policy thinking that I could go to the state level and help craft excellent policy. When I was in uh, my graduate program, it was in 1992 during the Rodney King events and the, and the riots in Los Angeles. And as part of my master's public policy program, we did a deep dive into the neighborhoods that were dramatically affected by the riots and by uh, the events in 1992. Uh, and I learned so much about the whole ecosystem that is often fed by the quality of the schools and the education that those students that students are receiving. So I like to think that I am a co-conspirator in all things education. I definitely want to support students. I want to support families. I want to support educators who are being demonized by some groups. 
I, I want to pay, I want to help people sift through the information at the local level, the state level, and the federal level when it comes to, to education. So I think with my expertise and my experience, my expertise in policy and my experience both in the classroom as a teacher, as an administrator, and now as a professor, make me an excellent person to bridge the conversations um, that are happening between elected officials, the school system, and the policymakers. Now, specifically, the Orange County Board of Education over the last five years has taken um, has made a couple of decisions that are concerning to me as a community member, a taxpayer, and as a as an educator. Um, one of those is to hire their own attorney and sue um, several different people, including the governor, state superintendent Tony Thurman, uh, county superintendent Al Mijares, Dr. Al Mijares, um, over the COVID protocols. Those are three outstanding lawsuits that are continuing, even though we are post-pandemic, right? Um, the other thing that the Orange County Board of Education is doing is a blanket approval of charter organizations. Uh, despite the recommendations from the Department of Education to put some guardrails or conditions on applications. And part of what that tells me, and, and I'm a firm believer in local control, is that the county board is taking a power grab from some of the local districts that may choose to authorize charters with their own elected officials. So having watched this over the past several years and watching that the current board is living or operating within an echo chamber and that nobody was asking hard questions. Like nobody was asking, why are we going to approve this? Or let's look at this a little bit deeper. I, and then the biggest reason of all is they absolutely pay no attention to the students in their jurisdiction. And the students in the county jurisdiction are the most vulnerable kids in Orange County. They're in the juvenile court system and they're in the hall. They're in ACCESS, which is the alternative education program for students who are not successful in traditional schools. And they're in the special needs programs that the county is renowned for um, and taking care of these types of vulnerable kids. Never in the past year have I heard this board address the children directly in their jurisdiction. So they're playing the narrative that I have heard on a national level about um, banning books, censoring instructional materials, approving all charter schools. Um, and in addition, in the last five years, $10 million of taxpayers' money have gone to their private lawyer, despite the fact that they have access to the lawyer at the county office. So for all of those reasons, I said, oh my gosh, we need somebody with a different voice, with, with that expertise, with that experience, that can at least ask hard questions on some of the decisions that are getting made and that loves kids, that wants to take care of kids. Well, thank you for running. Um, it is a call to service and it is a lot of above and beyond and you're making yourself very vulnerable in the process. So I just want to applaud you for your courage, your vulnerability um, and the stamina that it takes to do this. So thank you. Thank you for your leadership and modeling the way for everyone else because we want more educators to run for school boards. Absolutely. And thank you for picking up that torch as well, Dr. Bryant. And so other than Renee, who is running for Corona Norco Unified School District Board Area 5, you're the first candidate for office we have had on the Ed Branding podcast. 
Your election happens on March 5th. How are you leveraging social media in your campaign? Well, we're leveraging a lot of different communication mediums, but in today's day and age, you cannot ignore the power of social media for extending messages. Of course, you're in communication, Lynette, so you know this. Getting the proper algorithm is sometimes a little bit of a challenge, and part of this election truly is who the target audience is. Um, my area, Area 3, is North and East County, and it has 380,000 voters. So I am just starting to tip on my uh, campaign Instagram. We're getting very close to 2,000 followers. Well, 2,000 is an extraordinarily small percentage of the 380,000 people we have to, to reach. But at the same time, you cannot deny the power of sending out your message and your platform through social media. So I think that there's communication needed many different ways. I love that social media gives me the opportunity to really share myself, you know, through small reels, little videos, that's, it's really me. Um, and then kind of what you discussed already, that ability to brand your campaign so that people recognize who you are, what you're doing in your platform. But truly, even outside social media and what's on our phones or our computers, um, the best communication has truly been from walking in the neighborhoods and having conversations with people. And I think that that's something that social media is never going to be able to replace is people want to have conversations. They want to speak with you. And so social media is limited form in that communication because the, the hate you get back on social media um, can sometimes drown out the really good voices who have genuine inquiries and genuinely want to support and care about the issues. So it's a component. Now, I will say we were chatting with some young voters, uh, voters under the age of 24, who told us that uh, TikTok and memes, that they want memes. And, you know, it's hard as an older person because memes are intentionally kind of roasting <laughs> people. And I don't want to go negative, right? So uh, I don't mind some self-deprecating humor or memes, um, but it's how we use that social media to engage truly our voter demographic that has its power. I appreciate that. And it's true. Um, you know, talking in person is so much more powerful than on social media. Um, I will say those social media, sometimes then they'll, uh, relate that to when they meet you. Like, okay, I remember seeing her on social media. And then I love that you're using reels. Reels, I tell everyone gets you the most engagement. It's just the way to go. And then um, in terms of your followers, I wouldn't worry too much about the followers if you if you're getting some good engagement. So maybe look at your engagement numbers because I don't have a whole lot of followers, but my engagement levels are huge. So I bet you there's a lot of people who are looking and not following but they're watching what you're doing, which is good. So Thank I'm glad that. that you're on there. And I do. And I'm glad that you're out in the neighborhoods, particularly when you're running for an office. It's so important, I think. Yeah, I'll be out this afternoon, as a matter of fact, and every afternoon for the next 44 <laughs> days until March 5th. <laughs> awesome. And actually, I was impressed with your numbers. I know it doesn't seem like much in the grand scope, but I was actually for um, a candidate site on Instagram. I thought it was very high. So congratulations. 
Thank All you. Right. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so additionally, in doing the research for the conversation, I was surprised to learn, uh, but love that you were not only a social studies teacher, but a dance teacher, which, ex- which explains why you're so graceful and in such great shape. <laughs> so you are also a Fulbright scholar. How does your social studies and dance background inform the professional you are now? And for those that don't know, how do you become a Fulbright scholar? What is that, et cetera? Oh, I just love talking about this, although it certainly feels like it was a lifetime ago. But um, I think I'm a pretty good example of what are what kinds of options exist for young people trying to find their way in the world? Because when I was, I knew I was, I was one of those people who I knew I was going to be a teacher and pretty much my entire education led me into my teaching career, but I love dance. And I, you know, started dancing when I was a preteen and I didn't want to give that up when I went to college and began to pursue my career options. So um, I went to Santa Barbara City College, where I met one of the most amazing dance teachers, huge influence, shout out to Kay Fulton, uh, Rest in Power, who gave me opportunities in the dance world to choreograph, to learn different styles, and really pushed me both as a dancer and as a person, so much so that when I went to UC Santa Barbara with my poli-sci major, um, I minored in dance. So I, my very first teaching job was in the Bay Area. It was at a school named El Cerrito High School in the former Richmond Unified School District, which is now West Contra Costa County. And the school was a magnet school for humanities and performing arts. Uh, so as a student teacher, I was teaching jazz one and modern dance. And I was also teaching government and economics. I was hired out of my student teaching role and they still split my schedule. So I see that as that opportunity to really blend the things that feed my soul, which was I got to share my knowledge and love for all things social studies. But then in the afternoon, I got to go back into the dance studio and work with students to you know, expand their, their physical and their emotional and their artistic uh, personas. And that's pretty amazing. So I I do have a dance authorization on my teaching credential and I keep it going because I, who knows, I may end up back in the, in the dance classroom. And, and actually I did, I served as the dance coach and advisor for the dance team at Valencia high school when I was still teaching at Valencia high school. So um, I think that it is a reminder that we can still fill our cup professionally and have an opportunity to combine the things that we love to do um, with our with our vocation, so I know I was fortunate. Um, and then because I am, I'm a constant. I'm a definitely a lifelong learner by every definition of that. Uh, I've always kind of sought out those opportunities to uh, expand. And when an opportunity came up for a Fulbright scholarship for a teacher, it was really the topic that drew me in. Um, The Fulbright that I applied to was for Eastern Europe. It was in Hungary and Poland, and it was to study transitional democracies because both of the countries had just been um, removed from the Soviet bloc after the fall of the Soviet bloc in 1989. They were in the early stages of creating their own democracies. Um, And so when we were able, a group of teachers, there were 11 of us that were able to, to travel through the country, explore all facets of their systems, their education systems, their political systems, their market systems. And then I was able to present and created a unit of study 
to the National Council for Social Studies from my experiences. So Fulbright opportunities exist for educators. There's a website dedicated to it. Maybe you guys could pull that website. Uh, and I think once you find like the country and the topic that you're passionate about, it's this is also like a just show up, just apply because who knows, you might get to go to uh, Taiwan for a year. Uh, you may get to go to New Zealand to explore um, Finland's educational system. They have amazing programs, and I think a lot of people don't know about them. So I would check out the website, find a country and a program that looks interesting and that can work with your life professionally and personally, and just apply because it's an awesome. Shout out to Poland because I got to go to Poland like two different times now. And I love my time in Poland. I love the Polish people. And uh, and I'm a big believer in that idea of like, nah, if I'm there, I'm going to Auschwitz. Like we're not going to have any um deniers no i'll be a testament of like i was there i walked the camps so yes it's it's a beautiful beautiful country with a lot of rich history um and obviously very sad history but we need to stand in testament that we have bared witness by going so thank you for talking about that i, I always sure. want to shout out poland because i think it's a gorgeous country that people should visit I agree. I agree. And granted, it's been some time since I've been there and they've, they've had their political ups and downs, but it is, I agree with you, Renee, you cannot deny the, the weight of feeling history when you are standing on the ground where, where life and death happened, right? So we mentioned a lot about networking in our book, and I personally attribute it to the opportunities that I've been blessed with. What role has networking and connection played in your own success and the success of your campaign so far? Well, I'm here. Thank you, Renee Bryant, for um, being part of my network and my connection. So, uh, you know, isn't it fascinating how when you are sometimes in a room with people, you find those six degrees of separation and oftentimes it's even closer and it comes through having conversations and getting to know people. It's like you said, Lynette, the tell me your story. It's through those stories that that connection happens. And then we find a way um, that, or we find a person and sometimes we end up reuniting people who haven't had conversations in years. So just this week, Friday night, I was at an event in Aliso Viejo and seated at a table with several different people. And one was the veteran of the year for the city of Aliso Viejo, Tony. And he and I started a conversation. It turns out he and my husband were stationed in the same squadron at El Toro in the early 1990s. And, you know, that's the most powerful network where you have people now with common histories who end up, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, not seeing each other for years, not speaking for years, just losing connection. And through those conversations, you end up finding people. Uh, I, I think all of us have had that experience where we're somewhere um, and you run into somebody you know, and you're like, how in the world does this happen? I was on a volcano in Hawaii and I ran into one of my students. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> right? Uh, so for me, Networking means that we maintain those relationships, that you stay open to having conversations and that you're willing to seek connection, which is both. Now I got both your brands, tell my story and connect, uh, because we oftentimes have a lot more in common than we than we think we do. And until you have the conversations, you don't. And of course, I love LinkedIn as a tool. It's one of the primary ways I'm keeping up with my former students that have 
grown up and are in these amazing professional jobs, uh, we connect through LinkedIn, which is appropriate uh, versus some of the personal media for former students. And you get a chance to see what people, what amazing things people are doing and what they're contributing uh, to the world. So um, I think networking is critically important. I'd love to see more avenues set up to uh, enhance those networking and mentoring opportunities that can come with networking. So for people who, you know, they, they want to know, how do you become a director of plural lingual in, in a school district? Uh, well, let me connect you with Dr. Renee Bryant, who can tell you a little bit about her story and her path, because sometimes it's right place, right time for your next job, for your next gig, for your next date, whatever it is, right? It's about connecting and networking. I was waiting for Lynette to talk about how LinkedIn is actually, go ahead, Lynette, say it. I heard you say it yesterday <laughs> in your webinar. Go ahead. You're funny. No, LinkedIn is just the place to be. It's like everybody is transitioning from X over to LinkedIn in my experience in education. And um, it's so much more than a job board. You can have like really authentic professional engagement on there. And that's what I'm appreciating a lot. And so I am encouraging people to migrate over to LinkedIn if they're not already in that space. So thank you, Renee. (laughs) All right. So you serve as a director of educational, the educational doctorate program for Cal State Fullerton. And Cal State Fullerton, for those people that don't know, um, does have guiding principles for social justice. It's, it's integrated into everything, not just in social studies or social justice programs. It's supposed to be integrated into the entire uh, university. So uh, it asserts that Cal State Fullerton is committed to providing an inclusive, transformational, just, and equitable education experience for all members of the Titan community, and then actually has t- tenants, like 10 different principles or more. So how does this inform you as a school board candidate, given everything we've already talked about? I think that this comes down to core values, right? What are the most important core values, common values that as a community, in education, as people are important to us? And I've always appreciated Cal State Fullerton's forward-thinking social justice um, initiatives because it's sometimes, especially in today's political climate, it takes some courage to stand on those principles, you know, to, to very openly say that this is important. So you, you hinted at some of the specific tenets underneath and a couple that really stand out to me. One of them is being an anti-racist leader and how critically important it is to be able to say that and to say I am a co-conspirator outside of being an ally, which I am also, it's, it's about the action. And when you name it and you say, I'm going to be an anti-racist leader, then you are putting into practice that core value of social justice principle. The other tenet that really uh, resonates with me is about lifting each other up. You know, so sometimes we are in a position where we can reach back and encourage people and uh, to to take on leadership roles because we know, and I mean, we're all women on this call, that it is not always easy because we fight insecurities and imposter syndrome and we work harder sometimes to attain a certain level of professional stature. It's, I mean, it's supported in the literature. I'm not going to cite it, but you know, it's, this is a supported thing. When we talk about leading while female, for example, some of the books and the work uh, that's been done in female leadership, 
sometimes people need to be tapped on the shoulder and said, have you thought about leading? Have you thought about taking on this project? Uh, And I think those social justice principles open up who gets tapped on the shoulder because it's a reminder for us that not everyone has the confidence or the courage or the mentorship or the coaching to think about what's possible or what their role is. And we, we have to tap leaders on the shoulder and encourage them to take on some of the challenges because that's where our better future is going to come from. And I know that sounds really idealistic in some ways, but I am incredibly proud of the educational doctorate program at Cal State Fullerton because we live those principles. And as we are working with the next generation of educational leaders in our program, uh, we're imbuing those principles into everything that they're doing, into their research, into their content courses, into their reading, into their leading. And that's going to benefit our, our society and our community moving forward. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Watkins. This has been an amazing interview. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to share with our Ed Branding Podcast listeners? I would, again, just like to say thank you. It's, um, you know, I, I, I think I'm one of those people who always wondered, do I really have something to say? As a teacher, I've always wanted to share knowledge, and I appreciate that you're providing a platform to, you know, introduce people to uh, the education community. Um, certainly, I'll have to make a plug that the election is March 5th, and I'm running for the Orange County Board of Education Area 3 to really turn an extreme board back to making the school boards boring again and focused on good governance. And then um, I I mentioned that how proud I am of Cal State Fullerton. And I I would love to say, especially because of your brand related to this podcast, that people who are interested in educational leadership to please check out what we have offered at many different levels at Cal State Fullerton through our graduate programs and, and learn a little bit more about how you can influence what happens next in education. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, Lynette, another masterclass, this time with Dr. Nancy Watkins running for Orange County School Board Area 3. Uh, I'm excited about her run. I'm passionate about it. I work in Orange County, so it's important to me that we have a very stable board that puts scholars first, uh, empowering families and empowering staff, all of that before um, extreme politics. So uh, very excited to see her run. Uh, I love her brand. Just show up. She's the first person that talked about that, but it is something I don't know if she'll be listening, but Shannon Villanueva, when I was at Westminster, she was a principal at DeMille. We were working really hard to get the word out about the Vietnamese dual language immersion program before it came out. We just were like, just show up. We're looking at each other. We weren't the only like white ladies and Al Yai's looking like Amazon. Just show up. We're looking at each other. Just show up. Just show up. So I love that her brand is just show up. And uh, yeah, I don't think there is a more qualified, uh, caring person uh, that we could have on the board. Um, so vote for Nancy. I'll vote for Dr. Watkins. <laughs> what about you, Lynette? I'm not going to be, I- I'm sorry. I'm just going to be biased and put it out there. What about you? <laughs> She was awesome. I loved her brand, Just Show Up. Uh, She says it's her superpower, which I think is super, super awesome and great advice for people. Um, You know, when all the excuses come to not go to something or not do something, uh, you know, keep that in mind, just show up. 
Um, and nine times out of 10, you feel great that you did just show up. So I love that she led with that. I also love that she talked about, uh, you know, her passion for dancing while also having, you know, the core academic stuff that she's teaching and so how she could still have her passion while also doing her great work that she does. Um, and I like that she's using reels. She, you know, she mentioned she's older. I don't know how old she is, but um, it's awesome that she's on reels. It's awesome that, you know, they're serving uh, the younger demographic. That's what I do really informally when I go on any high school campus. Like, hey, what catches your guys' attention so that I can do more of that and, you know, get some more engagement going. So, and I agree, 2,000 followers on Instagram for a campaign page, I think that's pretty darn good. I think she's, I think her engagement is probably easily 10 times that if she really looks at her engagement numbers. Um, and then I liked her talk about connection uh, while networking, people who are willing to seek a connection. I like that. Um, she's just awesome. Uh, I was, uh, I talked to my friend Laura Castro, future Dr. Laura Castro, who uh, says that she was one of her professors or is one of her professors and just speaks so highly about the program at Cal State Fullerton. So I'll be sure to add that to the show notes as well as the Fulbright uh, website as well. So thank you for having her on. This was a great interview, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, yeah, since we're on the topic, right? So my run is for Corona Norco, Area 5, excited. This uh, will be out um, after the event that I will, my first kickoff event, which is happening this Thursday. So excited about that. And I also told myself, don't forget Renee, because today I'm actually going out to Garden Grove. I'll be in the Ao Yai, which is a Vietnamese long dress. And I'm gonna be recording a Vietnamese greeting on a Vietnamese television show uh, for the community. And so by the time this airs, it'll almost be pet season or Lunar New Year. So we can wish all of our guests, Lynette, a happy Lunar New Year or a Vietnamese chuk mon there you go for you and uh yes okay so now moving on to our book we're really excited by the time this airs the book should be out almost uh but we did uh get some cover designs by uh from our editor i think we've settled on one but vamos a ver huh? we'll see um and yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, so yes, Lynette, what's going on with you, Connect Ed? I know you're doing some work for West Ed. What's going on? Yeah, um, Connect Ed is doing great. We're helping organizations and individuals tell their story really effectively on social media. With West Ed, uh, they are working in partnership with the Illinois ROE Lead Hubs. And so they have this group of fellows for uh, something called the Bridge Project. It's a federally funded project that provides important post-certification career supports to Illinois-based educators of color and women educators who are seeking to be principals. So it is a very cool project. Um, I have been brought in to help them learn how to amplify themselves on social media. Uh, we're really focusing on LinkedIn as part of the federal grant um, and the project. Uh, they are providing them with a premium LinkedIn account, which is super cool for a job seeker. Um, but yeah, very excited with that. Uh, should be fun. And I'm definitely learning a lot already. <laughs> so it's been a great experience. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I love that. And I was just uh, having a conversation with someone 
And uh, forgive me, whoever it is, for not remembering that I was talking to you about it. Uh, whoever you are out there, maybe it was Dr. Antoinette Gutierrez, because I was just at the District English Learner Administrator Advisory Network in Burbank. So I was probably, it was probably her. Um, and she was telling me that as a part of her doctoral program, they had them actually uh, start their LinkedIn account. So I was like, oh, you know, I need to do that. So look out, future doctoral yes. program. Not only am I going to have you listen to Ed Branding podcast, read the Ed Branding book, but now you're going to have to start your LinkedIn. So uh, definitely, I love that. That's really great advice to integrate that. And just to make it, if you make it an assignment for someone, they have to do it. So I love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end. We're excited. And uh, thank you for listening all the way into the end. And we look forward uh, to you listening next week. <laughs>